welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Recovery Podcast. Today we have Dennis and Drew and Justin and Michael. Good to have you guys. Maybe we'll have some more pop in while the, the meeting's going on. We this is our Saturday, 9 a.m. recovery meeting where we discuss Tao Te Ching and how it relates to recovery. Someone here may be, I don't know, but I'm not a Tao. That's <laughs> something that people assume constantly that I am, but I'm not. But I love the principles taught in the Tao Te Ching, which if you're new to what the Tao Te Ching is, it was a book that was comprised about 2,500 ago or so. They don't know exactly. They don't exactly know how old the text is there. They're thinking it may be, as I've read in other books, say that the text is beyond written text. It's before written text. These were texts that were passed down audibly, grandfathers to granddaughter, to, to their family, so forth, and so on, down, down the line. Ever how they did that, I'm around the campfire at night, what I envision. Ever how they did that, they taught these principles to live by. From what I hear in the Tao and the why it speaks to me so much, it is a, it applies to my main problem in life, whether I was an alcoholic or not. And that is getting out of all of these teeth for me show me how to get out of that I am my problem. That it's not up to me to solve my problem. It's up to me to get out of the way and notice my problem being solved. That's the way I I take all of this. And you may say, well, that doesn't sound like recovery. If you read pages 84, 85, 86, it sounds exactly like recovery because that's exactly what we have to do. We have to get out of the way we have to, what does it say, let go and let God? Man, when I heard that God word, shit, I've been praying to God for years about this. How is this going to make any difference? Then I realized what they were talking about, God, and what I thought about were two entirely different. So they're going to give me a new practice of beliefs, me to start going by, and these beliefs will change my life. No, that's not what they did. They said, okay. You have a problem with alcohol. We can see this through the steps. My life was unmanageable. I was out of control. You help someone else with their addiction to alcohol. What? Don't I need to be helped first before I can help someone else? That doesn't make any sense. What we found was that as we're beginning to help ourselves, if we take that function and put that function toward being helpful to others, then we are helped ourselves. And a lot of the things that we see here, when we read today, we're going to be talking about the fourth verse of the Tao Te Ching. A lot of the things we see here help us in that regard. Or that's the way they help me. So when I started hearing this, man, this is great. These are principles that work no matter what your beliefs are. This is not about belief. This is about what action you need, rather than what you need. It's about what action you need. So we're going to talk about the fourth verse is pretty short. If we run out of talk about this we can always go to five guys so we have really no agenda today the force is only a place to point our finger to start any comments before we begin any particular translation you guys would want to start with if we were in china 
Here in the West, I would assume I could say, did y'all have a Bible in your house at home? You were growing up and most people would say they did. It wasn't anything more than the big Bible on the, on the little table in the living room, uh, maybe the little end table where you had all your pictures in the back of all family pictures and things. A lot of times they put in the Bible, this huge book. You didn't sit around and read the book, but you might get out and look at the pictures or the maps when I was a kid. Well, the Tao Te Ching would have been the same way if we were in China. It's the second most published book in the world behind the Bible. This is nothing new. And if we were from a different part of the world, we would know exactly what this is. Probably more from, from that kind of a perspective, similar to what we would know of as a Bible being raised in the world. Let's start with the fourth verse. I'll open up with the Stephen Mitchell version. And then let's, we can talk about some other versions or what, wherever, how the conversation goes. The Tao is like a well used, but never used up. It is like the eternal void filled with infinite possibilities. It is hidden, but always present. I don't know who gave birth to it. It is older than God. I'll go ahead and read the MacDonald too. The Tao is like, and it can never be, it can never be filled. Infinitely deep is the source of all things. It's dull and sh- it dulls the sharp. It unties the knotted, shape, shades the lighted, and unites all creation with dust. It is hidden, but always present. It doesn't know. I don't know who gave birth. It is older than the concept of God and the concept. The other translation said it's older than God. So does any of you guys get hung up when you hear the word God? still at all did it hang y'all up when you first came into recovery you know it did buddy well, i know <laughs> i did you wait on you to say not to, now i would like to hear and i think this would be a good it's not there's other things in this verse to talk about but i think one thing might be how did we get over our dislike of god we came into recovery or the word god because wasn't it a lot Dennis? wasn't it a lot like what i just Describe that we that we may have this book in the house or this word in the house that's used at times that we put on anything that we can't understand. Oh, that's God. What is God? Why would God do that to me? That kind of thing. Then we get over into all that. How did that have to change for you when you came into recovery? I know now if you haven't heard, I did an interview with Dennis a few weeks ago, and it's up in the episode if you want to hear. Dennis's story. How has that changed for you, Dennis? I always struggled with uh, with that thing in the Bible that says that we are created in God's image, because I always thought that we created God in our image, and that's how we could relate to it. And I still believe that in some sort. But I had to let go of those resentments that I had to the Christian community, because. I I always was afraid of that C word, the church word. <laughs> that, and I still do sometimes when we get into it. And I hear whenever churches are beginning to hand out the voter guidance and all that, I'm just, I'm straining away from that political part of it that, that is so overclouding for me. So for me, I had to find that own concept of God, like we do in the program. And, and actually, it's funny that you did we did Stephen Mitchell his wife what's her name Baron Katie yeah I I can really relate to that when she says God for her is falling in love with what is and it actually goes along 
with all the verses in the Tao Te Ching, the acceptance of this present moment, the awareness, that's where I can see again. So if, if I bind that together, then I don't clunge anymore. I remember, I remember I did that taping for you with the 24 hours a day. <laughs> That's very Christian based and my toes were so I was fighting it while I was reading it. And that just helped my dyslexia. I don't call it dyslexia. I call it dyslexia. You can't get it right, <laughs> but I couldn't get myself to read it because I was fighting it. There was this, Oh, ye. And I couldn't, I, it was really bad. So I had to find an innermost thing. That has been my problem in recovery also. Remember last time I relapsed, you and the countless others are saying, what are you going to do different this time? And it was so funny. Last time I, last time I, my sponsor asked me, I had the answer. One thing I never was able to was give myself completely to that power I don't understand. And, and I was so ready to answer. He said, yeah, yeah I don't want to. I don't want to answer now. Answer me Thursday. This was Monday. Are you fucking kidding me? And then it had to be three more days. But but that is my biggest thing. And maybe it was because I didn't understand it and I thought I understand it. And now I know I'm probably never going to understand the concept of God. It's too powerful for my little mind. That's where I'm at with that now. And now I'm okay with it. And I'm okay with seeing people in meeting go strictly to, to their belief system. That's what they then she said something that was really interesting with that. You said you went from trying to believe and understand God to realizing that you don't understand and that you may never will. If I remember correctly, isn't that the path that we all take? It's not a path to understanding. It's a path to saying it's okay if I don't understand. Isn't that it? That's that's why I always say the power I don't understand, because as soon as I think I understand, I'm back into my ego again, right? I go in and I think it is this, even due to the Bible, the Tao, whatever it is, I go into the intellect, and the intellect is just going to take me down this rabbit hole and trying to figure this out. And I think we, we fall in love with all the words, but where we connect is in between the words. It's in the silence in between. And that's what I get out of these readings also. And that's where I find that power. I don't know. You don't have to, under, you don't have to try to understand. <laughs> Not at all. This, when you look at this fourth verse, he says it's like, the Tao is like, it's like an emptiness. It's, it's giving you an abstract description of what the Tao is like. Just like what we've talked about before, like you try to, Explain what a beautiful sunset looks like. How do you explain explain the colors and all of this? Like tasting the strawberry, you have to taste it. (laughs) It's actually, it's pointing you where to see, but it doesn't tell you what it is. Exactly. Anyone else, guys? Comments? So back to my version, it's a little bit different. And it's really interesting how the different translations can come up with a whole different thing, especially if you ever seen a green translation too. But my translation is comes from the Tao Te Ching Lao Tzu's Book of the Way and of Righteousness. And in the even in the and it was by it's by a guy by the name of Charles Johnston, and that he provides a commentary as well. In the beginning with this, the introductory he calls it the religion of China. And I don't necessarily know that that's really where it f- 
falls or that's how it goes. And I find it interesting, and I don't know enough about this author and this translator to be able to say anything other than I find it interesting for myself where I gravitate towards in my exploration of these principles or of these different things or the way that we look at the concept of God. I find it funny that I am assuming that Charles is probably a religious man looking at the precepts of the, and I really don't even like to, I don't even, I really don't like to call the Tao philosophical in as much as it is, but the Tao is how I got, is how I got to it. And that's what I'm talking about here. But anyhow, I really perceive as I'm reading these translations that Charles is probably a religious guy, no different than when it comes to Christianity or Catholicism. I'm a firm believer and I love to read Thomas Merton. Now, Merton takes his precepts of Christianity or his precepts of his precepts of Catholicism and he looks at things through the lens of the Eastern philosophies, the Eastern religions, the Tao. Buddhism, and it's phenomenal, but it almost turned him into a heretic in his own faith. So I that I get that because I'm probably still the heretic that sits here and goes, I don't have a problem with God when I'm in a meeting of AA. I understand we talk God. Here in this group, we'll talk higher power. We'll talk the Tao more than anything else because that's what we're looking at. I don't have a problem with that, but with quite some time sober, I'm still probably, I, I like to coin myself as almost militantly agnostic. But all of that way off the beam gets us to number four in this translation. He says, the way seems empty. As it is tried, it is found inexhaustible. Oh, how profound it is. It seems to be the forefather of all beings. It quiets impetu- impetuosity. It looses bonds, it's, it tempers its splendor, it follows lowliness. Oh, how pure it is. It seems to abide forever. It is the son of I know not. It seems to have been before the Lord of heaven. So that it, they're all saying the same things, but it's not direct synonyms, synonyms. It's not a direct correlation between it. And that's what I find so interesting as to where you get your information. The important part is seeking or getting the information, but where are you getting for where are you getting it? You may want to check it. Just because I'm talking about this book, I bought it on Amazon. I this guy may have this guy may have wrote this book, published his book, and never read the Tao Te Ching before he decided to say what it had to say. Maybe. That's a long, circuitous way for me to say, I have a belief system, but I'm going to allow you to find yours. And I truly enjoy these conversations. And even today, I get to put a face, I get to, put a face to the guy that I've been listening to, telling me, reading my transitions daily. Life's pretty good. Yeah, Dennis was talking about transitions. Transitionsdaily.org is a daily, it's an email and a daily podcast of that email and a private Facebook that supports discussion of what's in the email. And email is all of the day, most, if not all the daily readings most of us will use in recovery. And some of those are very churchy sounding. 
it's a 24 hour book. And when Dennis read one year and I didn't get a good enough quality of Dennis's recording and Dennis, I wasn't willing to go back and redo it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a lot of work. So I just recorded it instead for a couple of years down the road when we had needed better quality. And when you're reading things that you don't believe, you just do it because a lot of people in recovery approach God from a lot of those different viewpoints and stick. And so I've got to look at that as if I'm just sharing another God language, not maybe my language, but someone else's to give them freedom to talk whatever language they want to talk. And that's the way I now look at, try to look at all God beliefs or paths is to give them the freedom because in turn, I get the freedom when I give someone else the freedom to find, maybe not to find, but to notice where all of this is going. I like that line, Mike, that you used that the son of I don't know, was that part of one of your lines? It said here, it is the son of I know not. It seems to have been before the Lords of Heaven. How many of us, aren't we the opposite of that? We don't want to be the sons of I know not. I want to be the son of I know by God through and through. You know? <laughs> and, and yet, as I, and if I, I, won't re, I won't read his commentary as well, but as I go through his commentary, here's a line where he states, the way is the way of humility. And if we read enough of the Tao Te Ching, we realize that the Tao Te Ching is not the path of of neutrality or the path of equilim, equal, equilimity, equanimity. I'll have to. What's it called when you're when everything's? I'm saying when everything's equal, but it's said different. Equanimity. The what? Equanimity. Equanimity. That's right. That's where we want to be. This is not a path of equanimity, okay? This is a path of virtue. And the way we know that is it's the Tao De Ching, T-E. It's the path, the Tao, of virtue. So it's a virtuous path. So why would it call it the virtuous path rather than the path of equanimity, which would seem to be more like what the path would be? It's because that I think, and what I have found, is that love is thread, the thread through this whole thing, that there's a thread of loving kindness through this whole path. And we see glimpses of that when we see things like in 79, where it talks about that the Tao does not take side, but it's always on the side of the one, that it's not about us, it's about us letting go of us, letting go of what we think, be open to what really is. It's about acceptance. It's all, we can go through each of these verses and find examples of virtue. And what do we find when we get into recovery? It's not you work hard and learn how to recover and then you can help someone else. It's all you work, work. It's from the beginning. You are powerless. Oh, you have a resentment against someone? You don't work hard so you can forgive them. You start praying for them. That's that thread of virtue that's through the whole thing. So if we get stuck, I'll look for that thread. What can I do to be here? And that's what I see. That's the option that I can take when I, I don't know what to do. When I'm at that don't know place, I look for that thread of virtue that's in whatever's going. 
that shows me why would the Tao be like an empty because several of these talk about an empty vessel, it's never used but never filled. But if it's never used and never filled, it looks like it would stay full, but yet it stays empty. If you had a, I don't know, if your car was full of gasoline, it was never going to run out. I wouldn't want it to stay empty. I would want it to stay full. <laughs> oh, I go look at it. And, you know, I can go check. It. Oh, okay, it's full. Good. Okay. Not that it stays empty. You understand the difference? You understand what I'm? Because I have to come at this with from a place of faith, a place of expectance. I think this is where faith comes is in knowing that even though things may not look full, that they will not be. That's what I got out of the, especially the Stephen Mitchell translation, because that's what I've got in front of me, the faith part. To me, it's saying it's hidden, but always present. Don't know who gave birth to it. You can use it, but don't worry about not using it all. Don't worry about other people using it all. There's plenty of it for everybody. It'll always be here. Don't put too much thought into where it came from, where it is not, how old it is, what came before it. The, you're overthinking it. You, do, you don't need to do that. It's there for you. You're fine. <laughs> Just go to what he said, the virtuous path, which I really like, like that distinction between equanimity and virtue. To me, equanimity is the feeling in the moment. I'm feeling equanimous, <laughs> however you would say it, equanimous about the situation. And I think the path of virtue, the fact that it's a path, I think, is meaningful rather than the spot of virtue. It's not a place of virtue. It's a path. It's, and you don't stay still on a path. It's, there's movement. You're always Maybe not always. You can stop on a path and look around and appreciate everything. But at the same time, it's a path. There's a direction. And from what I understand, day, the symbol of day in script includes a foot going forward. So virtue isn't just something you have. It's not something you feel, but it's action. It's it, You're putting action into place. That's why you're on the path. So I, I do like the distinction between equanimity and virtue. And I think this fourth chapter um, just gives you the go-ahead to to start on that path. The Tao's got your back. It's It'll always be behind you. It'll always be there. Don't need to look over your shoulder all the time to see if it's still there for you. Even if you do look over your shoulder and don't see it, it's there. It's hidden but always present it's there it's got you 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 can trust in it it'll be your empty container if you need to put something into it it'll be like if you need to get something out of it and there will always be enough space there will always be enough stuff just keep your eye on the path keep going forward i've got jonathan stars translate and he says in the fourth verse the Tao is empty, yet it fills every vessel with supply. It's funny, we, I've heard, and I have, prayed for a door to open. Yes, I'm going, you need a, the funny thing is, you don't open a door until it's time to go through it. The moment it's time to go through it, the door opens. I never open a door early, nor do I leave it open afterward. I want every door in my life to be wide ass open so I can see through all the way. <laughs> 
I don't want a door to open when it's time. I want to open it up so I can see five years from now where I need to go. <laughs> that's not how this works. Yeah, that's good. How about this part about the sharp edges become smooth, the twisted knots loosen. At that time in Chinese culture, they used knots for writing. Like they would use particular sets of knots to mean money or different things, and they used knots as a way to to tell time and things about where we would normally write things down so loosening the knots mean would mean that it, it takes all the things we think are firm it just loosens it all up like the sun softening by a cloud or the dust settle not the dust just settling but the dust settles into place all of that idea of just be still I remember that, be still and know that I am God, from uh, the Old Testament. I heard James Bean on Spiritual Awakening Radio take that. He said, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. Be still. Be. I'm like, yeah, that's how it. Maybe we're all somewhere on the path of that sentence. And what this is tell, telling us to do is how to be still and know. Be still. Just be. And maybe this verse is a description of so deep, so pure, so pure, so deep, so still, it has been this way forever. You may ask, whose child is this? But I can say this child has been here for the great ancestor, been here before we thought of God. Isn't it great not to have to figure God out to have peace? Of or have y'all gotten to that point of freedom yet? Is that you just don't have? Used to thought my life depended on knowing. Has that flipped for y'all to where now you have to know? Yeah. I, my very first sponsor, he came up to me and he's because I, at that time, and I still see all these people that has the answers to everything. They're like a walking Google. And um, and I used to do that. And he came up to me and he said, Dennis, do you know that it's actually very spiritual to say that I don't know? And I looked at him and I said, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so now not knowing is one of the most beautiful things. And I heard it being said here. Which brings me back to what Michael was saying earlier. I identify too as an as an agnostic. That is the Latin for not knowing, right? Gnostic is knowledge, and agnostic not knowing. And uh, and that's the beautiful thing about this. That means I I feel like I can keep growing and keep seeking better with, with, with that attitude. So that's it. But I was actually looking for a description that, that goes well with this chapter, and I couldn't find it. And I know I butchered it when I wrote it down. There was a Catholic description of, of the Tao, and this is what I wrote down, but it's butchered, so this is not what, what the reading was, but this is it, and it says, There is a place beyond space and time, before the beginning of the universe. This thing is the core of every being and can only be attained in this present moment. I connect with this thing by falling in love with this very moment, and that's what I get out of this, right? It's always present, but it's hidden. Yeah, that, that spoke to me. For me, it's I'm at the point now where I'm trying to let go of knowing. And 
just a year and a half into recovery is just holding on to my beliefs in the beginning, but now just getting to a questioning stage in the last few months and the Tao Te Ching is, has helped me to relieve the, the angst of, of trying to understand or having the answers to all of this. This one, verse four was a little tough for me as I started reading it earlier today. And like you were talking about earlier with the Tao is empty, yet it fills every vessel. And then the third stanzas it was here before god and that, those are huge deep statements for me i want to figure that out but just sitting here realizing it i don't have to what helps or sticks out the most with this verse is the middle the dust settles into place so that to me speaks to the fact of just letting it be and allowing it to uh, to settle upon me and knowing like right now Today, I don't have to be able to identify. It's a matter of, I can relate it to recovery. It's, it's just surrender that I don't, I don't have control. Alcoholism and addiction is, uh, I can't manage it. So it's relatable to, to that. It's, it's just a surrender for me today. That's good, Justin. Thank you. Isn't it, isn't it approaching life from a place of surrender? That is the whole program for me, right? Letting go, surrender. Isn't that the first three steps? It is. And I actually wrote the notes in yours. Have you written, have somebody written out your your translation, not translation, what is it that you call it? Interpretation. But I yeah. You want to read that, buddy? Go ahead. Oh, I'll, let me, I got to change glasses for that. Hold on. Okay. Sobriety is inexhaustible. The gift of sobriety does not appear to be a gift at all until we surrender. Then there is strength beyond comprehension. I wrote down one, two, and three there. The steps are there. There is no fear so intense that sobriety cannot bring relief. No relationship so twisted that peace is not immanageable. No noise of life so loud that harmony is not possible. Again, the harmony part. The truth is paradoxical and hidden in plain sight. I do not know who created the principles we use. It appears they are part of all conceptions of love and God. From the third step, promises is actually what I wrote here. And what this does is it, it means we have to take life from a different viewpoint. We no longer approach life as if, okay, I haven't figured out this is what we need. It comes from the point of, instead, for me, I am powerless over X whatever it X is, powerless over whatever, I am open to seeing the best answer. That is much different from me. Okay, God, I, I believe you showed me the right answer, and this is what I'm going to do. Don't you think? Isn't that a whole nother, another way of looking at this? It's like from the other, flipping it, really. When we approach anything from that, isn't that that's so counter to what the way I used to approach any situation in life. It is. And you know what? This actually reminds me of, of a huge thing that I took to me from uh, Chuck C, a new pair of glasses. Because I was raised by always pushing myself to be better. I could never just say I'm good enough in what I'm doing and what I'm doing right now is enough. I always had to criticize it so I could become better. And that was how I was raised, right? And then, not that, I have a disease of more. 
So when somebody asks me what was my favorite drink, it will always be the next one. <laughs> I'm thinking about the next one while I'm consuming this, and I'm still doing now when I'm eating donuts. So it's actually, and Chuck, see, he hits it on the nail, and it goes along with the whole metaphor here when he says that true freedom is not wanting anymore, being content with what is and what I have right now, right? I don't need to go changing, chasing something else for me to feel different or feel better or bigger. That's just a part of my ego that makes that part up that I think that if I attain this thing, then I'm going to feel. And it's the same in recovery and in spirituality for that matter. It's not something that's around the corner. It says in the vision for you, the last part of the 164 pages, right? As we trudge the road of happy destiny, not to happy destiny. It's right here on the path. And that's beautiful. So it's a program of deduction rather than addition. Yeah, is, that's pretty good. And on that, being being in the moment and surrendering and the not knowing, that just kind of makes me think of for years, I, I had to be the person who knew the most, whatever situation I was in. I did not. I, I felt like I was the go-to person for knowledge. I was a human jeopardy <laughs> machine, human trivia machine. It really pained me to say, I don't know to something. Somebody could easily just make up a, the name of a movie and ask if I've seen it. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah. I, you know, the direct, all that. Make up a band name. Oh, I know that band. Uh-huh. But I just wanted everybody to believe that I knew more than anybody else, you know, that I had the knowledge. And that just really caused me not to connect well with people years and i never really put two and two together until kind of recently earlier this week we went to our neighbors for dinner and i was chatting with her name's taylor chatting with her and she mentioned she went to a college i'd never heard of and the old me would have just nodded oh yeah i know that college but instead i asked her i've never heard of that where is it and she told me i said oh that's cool what was it like there? And she talked about it and I asked her some more questions and she just really opened up about it. I had a great conversation learning from her about her experience there. I, I easily could have learned about the college by just memorizing where she went, going home and opening up Wikipedia and learning everything I could about it. So next time I ran into her, I could be really knowledgeable about the college she went to. But that's what would be the purpose in that. The purpose in that would be I didn't want her to know I didn't know where she went to college. I, I didn't want her to know that I didn't know everything about her college. I can name famous alumni there, but that wouldn't have led me to learn about her experience there. I wasn't asking her any questions. I wasn't interested. The old me wouldn't really have been interested in what it was like for her there. What led her to go there? halfway across the country to this tiny little liberal arts college learn about her motivations for it and what she got out of it and all that it was a great conversation and it completely came from a place of not knowing from me and just being able to surrender the the need that i had for years of not wanting people to know that i didn't know exactly what they were talking about and that was great, especially for somebody like me who 
prefers for other people to carry the conversation most of the time by asking somebody about their experience or asking saying i don't know can you tell me more about that that's it's great for connecting it's it lets me settle my own thoughts i'm not thinking in my mind so much as just allowing this person to share their experience i'm taking that in it's to me so much better to live in a place of some people might call it ignorance but i don't i wouldn't use that word i like the the not knowing i like that phrase a lot better we approach recovery that way too drew that that Uh that's a way and i'm probably gonna title this one unless y'all know a better title the way of not knowing Uh, that's good isn't Mm -hmm. it Anything that we approach from a place of knowing, there's a problem. <laughs> yes, there's. Not really. Is that, what do you mean, Mike? From a place of narrow-minded, just mind made up. Oh, that's contempt prior to convent, prior to investigation. So, <laughs> yes, you have to be open-minded, but just because you have an opinion doesn't necessarily mean that oh. you're right or wrong or that you have to not adhere to your principle. If you are, if you're trying to achieve the Tao, if you're trying to get to the Tao and you think you're there to tell yourself you're not there means you didn't do anything right when you tried to get to where you thought you were going. I don't know. Or, or is, or, or, and at this point I, I really need, I'm, I've been chomping at the bit with the Ron Hogan version here. How much Tao is there? More than you'll ever need. Use all you want. There's plenty more where that came from. You can't see Tao, but it's there. Damned if I know where it came from. It's just always been around. What did the old timers tell me when I got to AA? What do I? What do we tell everybody as we're doing the mental gymnastics and having these conversations about how important is God, what's God, who's God. We always say you got to find a higher power or a power greater than yourself. And it can't be you. I, that's it's gotten me to where I'm at. Now I was rebellious along the way. I was contemptuous along the way. I was ain't no way you're going to convince me there's anything about the way, but Fortunately for me, I've had a lot of good mentors. I've had a lot of good examples. I've had people who have watched me stumble. I had people that helped me get up. I've had the privilege to do the exact same thing for other people. Wow. I didn't sign up for that when I got here. When I got here, the Marine Corps was telling me, you're going to keep wearing that uniform, young man. You're going to stop drinking. I think as human beings, our biggest flaw with knowledge is that we are mistaking perceptions and opinions for knowledge. And that's not a true thing. That is us blending in our idealisms with what we, how we perceive things and how we, uh, we perceive them. So it's so interesting how we easily get strained up. That in the program all the time. There's, if, if you have if you have 17 people in the room, you might have 22 different opinions, right? <laughs> so it's, uh, and it's the same when we're working the steps. There's not two right ways. There's just some chemistry in between two people. That that thing with one drunk to another is just unique for me, and I love it. 
Sometimes the match is good and sometimes it's not. But I think we, we do all fall short of that when we're selling our knowledge. Is what I like to call it. We're going out on uh, into arguments and that, but it's very interesting. Yeah. I think for me, I've been addicted to different things throughout my life. And the one thing they all have in common is when I use it or engage in it, whatever it is, I get a little, I get a little, not happy, but jolt from it. Something, something that makes me say, oh, I want to go back to that again. That that gave me a feeling I like. I want to go back to it. So I just go back to it over and over. And I think one of those things for me is acquisition of information. Kind of like Dennis was saying, what's your favorite drink? The next one. What's your favorite YouTube video? The next one. You know, what's your favorite? What's your favorite Wikipedia article? The next one. It's I, I can read something on Wikipedia and there are all these links to all these other things throughout it that'll lead me to more information about this, more information about this, or just open up news headlines and see all of these stories from all around the world for all these different topics. And I, I need to know what what's going on in these. So if anybody brings it up, I can be knowledgeable on it. And I know I've just spent so much time just sitting in front of anything, books or internet or TV or anything, just acquiring information. Just It, it makes it sound like learning is bad, <laughs> but that's different than moderation. There's getting intake of information in moderation is definitely much better than just sitting in front of my phone for a couple of hours reading interesting articles. They are interesting. I'm learning stuff, but that's just filling and filling and filling, sharpening the blade with knowledge, not letting the dust settle, just continuing to fill the water with dust. So my mind's never settled. It's never had enough. It's never sharp enough. And that, those are some of the metaphors that stood out to me when I started reading Tao Te Ching was why would I want to dull the blade of my intellect? Why would I not want to keep everything active and roiling? Why would I want every the dust to settle? Why would I want to just be still? And it took a while for me to understand that. But I've carried that metaphor of letting the blade go duller. If you try to sharpen it too much, then it'll break, that sort of thing. It's been hard for me to do that as, I guess, like an information addict. Um, but but that, that has been really helpful, the allowing yourself to be empty, allowing yourself to not know something. It's a more comfortable way to live. It really is. I was thinking, Drew, how, and Mike, too, well, for anyone, you're trained in a trade or you have knowledge about something. Is there a way to apply this everyday life? For example, I learned that even though I knew a lot about my trade, have been called to court before as an authority and paid as an authority on my trade in court cases. I've done that more than once. I can still come 
I can still come to that, whatever that task is that I have going on from a place of not knowing, even though I have a lot of mental knowledge, I can come from a place of openness. And the way I do that is I just, whatever it's I'm doing, I'm powerless over this. I do not know the right decisions to make because just because you have knowledge doesn't mean you know what is the correct decision. Good to have you, Brad. We started an hour ago, my friend. You're an hour late. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, next week, I'm sorry if I wasn't clear. Brad just wrote a book and he's, he's from Houston area. Brad, introduce yourself before we close out. Yep, I'm sure you were clear. I just didn't see Eastern. (laughs) But I'm Brad Sullivan in Houston, vicar at Lord of the Streets Episcopal Church, where we're a church for folks who are experiencing homelessness and anyone else who wants to be a part of that. And uh, yeah, I wrote a a book about how all of that believe in Jesus or go to hell stuff is a bunch of hooey. (laughs) So, So that's a little about me. And met Buddy with love and, and heard about his book and love hearing more about the town. And so, thanks. Glad to be a part. Could somebody put a link to Brad's book in the in the Facebook group? Yeah, we can do that. And it's also in the bookstore on BuddyC.org. Oh, is it? Okay, good. A couple of weeks ago that hasn't come out yet in the recording. What's exactly your book name, Brad? I can't. I have it on my shelf. I don't have it in front of me. It's called "For the Hurt, the Blessed, and the Damned." Mm. Wow, yeah, um, the idea that it's really all about healing. <laughs> but isn't that how? And I love the book because of how it just. I came in with so much fear when I realized my life was so full of this fear around God that I had. I needed relief from that more than anything. Really, that's been my walk too. Thank you, Brad. And Brad and I are going to get together soon and do an interview too. So, thank you. Uh, We're finishing up on the fourth verse, Brad. We were just fixing to close. If you have any comments on the fourth verse you'd like to interject, you're welcome. If not, we'll be on the fifth verse next week. But my question, we were getting around to the Tao being this place of not knowing and the descriptions of that. like over-sharpening your blade, the loosening of knots that you think should be tied, shading the light, letting the dust settle, all those ways that we have this frantic effort that we think that solution is in our frantic effort when it's really more in our not knowing. I used to have a new business thing I was working on, and my wife at the time, I'd get her to read it, not knowing nothing about what I was talking about, nothing at all. And she'd read it and she'd say, have you thought about this or thought about that? Good suggestion from someone who knew absolutely nothing about what I was doing before I knew about the Tao. But I always did that because she always had good solutions because she was coming from a different view than mine. So that's just a taste of what they're talking about here. But we have to come at it from the point of belief, faith. I don't know that if we open ourselves up and are vulnerable to not knowing that the Tao will show itself. Is that, for me, that's how it seems to be. It's definitely vulnerability. Mike, you're in the mechanical fields. Actually, you're in a field I used to work some in. 
when you've got a solution, you've got a problem with a machine or something to take care of that you think you know what it is from before. If you take a moment and say, I'm open to things I might not understand here, even though I think I know what the problem is. I don't know if you've ever tried that, but I would suggest trying that sometime and see if it's helpful to you. Yeah, no, it's, I usually go from the other aspect when I'm sent to the job and I have the ticket and I'm in the truck and I'm driving to it. I'm trying to say it can be this or this before I even get there and look at the piece of equipment. A lot of it, a lot of it really comes from experience. Do I always, there's a, it works a certain way. It's like getting into your car, you turn on the key and it goes and then you go. There's a lot of people that that's their knowledge of cars. Turn the key and go. They don't realize they got to change the oil, blah, 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 blah. For fixing an air conditioner, everything works the same way. Whether it's this air conditioner over here in this house or it's this big air conditioner over at a big commercial building. The order of operations is the same for all of it. And as long as you can, I guess I'm blessed and fortunate in regards to the fact that I'm aware of that. Now, there are certain things where if this isn't happening, something I've never seen before is the cause of that. But then you've got to read the directions or you've got to find the diagrams. You got to, or you go to Google. Or really my success in the industry over the years has always been, I know who to call. I'm stumped. Hey, Maybe this is happening. Had, yeah. Have you had a time though that when all that's going on, you say, Well, let me just take a minute and just sit with it and then things bubble up. Oh, it could be I hadn't thought about this or I haven't oh maybe bit. it's I, it's hard because it it really is a a reflection or it also goes into play with my recovery and the way that I live today based on trying to practice a whole set of principles in my life that were foreign to me when I got here. So while it's not, it's almost as if that moment of pause takes place, but I don't get to the, oh, I have to pause here moment. It just happens unless it doesn't. And then all hell's breaking loose and it's frantic. I have the same issue too, Mike, especially with things I know a lot about. But what I figured out was when I get in, like I get in a meeting and somebody, there's some topic and I'm thinking, I've been writing a lot lately. There's a lot of phrases and things going around in my head. And I'm like, oh, I could, oh, I know the answer to that. It's this or this. I could just rattle off what the solutions, the, for almost anything in recovery. Oh, I'd do this. I'd do that. There. Yeah, this is what we would do for that. That it's all up there. And when I get in a meeting, I have to say, I don't know the right answer, even though I know many answers. (laughs) I am powerless. I'm powerless over this person. I open my heart. How can I be of help to this? Do I might? Or I can prove it. I guess I can say it. Or I know what the answer is. I know they're full of crap. (laughs) Lord, Lord, please help me to keep my mouth shut because it's not all that important to let everybody in the room know that person was wrong. And it might be a better situation to have a conversation aside from the group. Am I doing that public boisterous action in order to correct them so they know not to do it again? 
or am I doing it to make sure everybody in the room knows that I know what I'm talking about? Right. Constantly, my my favorite lines when it comes to what we do in the whole 10th step and the whole how we do this is what are my motives? Check my motives. I have to check my motives. And I'm not necessarily all that good at it. I think it perfect example. There was I was reading, I was reading in my meeting last night, and the page I was reading and what I was constantly referring to, it was talking about whatever we were talking. The word was consistent in the book. The word was consistent, and I kept saying constant. There's a difference between having it constantly and doing it consistently. I constant and consistent. Oh yeah, because constant, yeah, I, that's easy. I got it. Serenity, I got it. No, serenity, is it consistent? Is it always there? Am I on that level playing field or am I going up and down? I truly appreciate your Saturday mornings. I wish it wasn't Saturday mornings. I'm looking at a gloomy outside. What's that whole, oh, there's so much to do. I want to do something. But <laughs> I got to make time to do the things I got to do. For sure. Gandhi said, I've got so much to do today. Maybe I should meditate two hours rather than (laughs) that place of stillness. I am not at. All right. Uh, Any closing comments, guys? We've had a, we've had a good conversation day and even ran over a little. We don't have anything else. We will see you guys next week at 9 a.m. Eastern. Hello. This is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.